happy Monday and welcome back to Never Work A Day podcast with your host, Kelly Gibney. Another Monday, another episode, and this week's guest was so enjoyable to talk to. It felt like we had been friends for forever. Just her energy is just very personable and relatable and I really, really love talking to her, so I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. This week's guest is Chelsea Reif, who is a fellow podcast host and also is a yoga instructor. She owns Yoga Girl Next Door, which provides non-intimidating yoga classes for beginners online, and also she has this amazing podcast that she's been working on, so... I don't want to talk too much now because this is a bit of a longer episode, but of course, as always, if you're enjoying these episodes, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream this podcast. I really want to know what you guys think, and I mean, reviews are everything, so please just take that time to do so. Now, without further ado, this week's episode with Chelsea Reif. Hey everyone, welcome back to Never Work A Day podcast with your host, Kelly Gibney. On today's episode, we have Chelsea Reif. Chelsea, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So do you want to just give a quick little background about yourself, who you are, what do you do? Sure. So I am Chelsea. I'm actually living in Australia right now. I grew up in Florida. I went to school there. I moved to Chicago for grad school. I ended up staying in Chicago for about six years. I found a job there, loved it. Uh, After four years, though, I realized even though I loved the job and the people, it just wasn't fulfilling me. So I started looking into living abroad and I was like, okay, I want to do this. I just don't know what I'm going to do, where I'm going to live. And it was a long road to figure it out. It took me about two years to really figure out what the plan was. But eventually I landed on Australia. So I came to Australia last August. I've been here for about nine months now. And I'm on something called a working holiday visa, which holiday in every other country means vacation. So it's like a working vacation visa. So I have to work, but I can also vacation. And it's such a nice balance because it's always what I've been wanting to do. It's just taken a while to get here. So when you ask what I do, it's interesting because I do so many different things. When I got here, I was just trying to pay bills. So I was working three different jobs. I actually worked uh, at a a music agency doing social media. Then I worked at a yoga studio handling their influencer marketing. And then I also worked at a gelato shop to make a bit of extra money. So after that, I ended up moving. Yeah, I moved to (laughs) Western Australia. And I moved here to start working at a hotel, and that was to get a second year visa. There's really specific work you have to do in order to get a second visa, the version I'm on. So I came over here to do that work, and literally the next day after I came, everything shut down because of the coronavirus. So what was interesting, yeah, but it was actually a blessing in disguise for me because it created all the space that I did not have in Sydney to work on the things that I've been wanting to work on. My whole point of leaving corporate America was to work on my own things, which are a podcast and a yoga brand. 
And because I had filled up all my time in Sydney with three different jobs, obviously when I had downtime, I either wanted to rest or socialize. I didn't want to just work on my own stuff. So when I came here and everything happened, it's like I had nothing else to do. I had no excuse. I couldn't tell anyone, oh, sorry, got to run. Like, where are you running to? There's nowhere to go. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, like, oh, wait, you actually can't go anywhere. So it became the perfect outlet for me to really start focusing on the podcast and my yoga brand. And because of that, now it's really starting to see momentum. So now I'd say what I do is I own a yoga brand and have a podcast, but it definitely took me a while to say that and to get there. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just start from the beginning. What were you doing in corporate America? And like, what was that process of deciding I don't want to do this anymore and I need to make a change. Yeah. So in corporate America, I was doing influencer and content marketing and I went to grad school. Yeah. For digital media and storytelling, which is a real degree. It's not made up. It's at Loyola Chicago. (laughs) It sounds sounds really cool. (laughs) Yeah. The storytelling part always throws people off. Like you got your degree in storytelling, but once you realize, yeah, you can tell stories via, you know, audio, social media, uh, video, everything, it becomes clear. Oh yeah, of course. It's just content creation. So I got my degree there and at the career fair at Loyola, I met my company. So it was such a a different world than anything I had learned about, but it was so fun, right? Like working at influencer marketing at the cusp of when it was blowing up was crazy. I felt like I was working in Hollywood. So I was like, this is so much fun. I had a misconception though, where I thought I would be like representing the influencers. I thought we were basically talent managers, which was not the case. I was a salesperson and I was just selling our software that housed these influencers. And what was interesting was um, because of that sales role, it's actually helped me so much now in my life, but the sales role really opened my eyes to not only the, the money that I could make from sales, like you start realizing, oh, how to pitch, how to position things, how to market things. But it was just, when I was selling content creators, I was like, I could do this. You know what I mean? I was yeah, watching like I could all be a people. content creator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? Like I, I went to school for this. I just told you I went to school for creating content and digital media. So here I am putting these proposals together, putting all these people on it. Like, yeah, this girl would be a good fit. And this person is a great blogger. And I was like, Chelsea, you literally took extensive classes and training on this. <laughs> like, and so after a while, I was just like this. Yeah, I want to be on the other side of this. Like, I want to be the one creating content. I want to be the one that's out there shooting content and videos. Like, I just loved it. To me, when I was in grad school, it didn't feel like work at all. Like those two years were. Yeah, I felt like it was a playground. I was like, yay, we get to go out and like shoot, like shoot photography, and then we get to make a website. Like, I loved it. And so, yeah, when I was just pitching these influencers day in, day out, day in, day out, you're constantly just like, what am I doing? Like half of them aren't even that good. They're just out there doing it. (laughs) That's the only difference. The difference between me and them is they're actually just doing it and I'm not. And so that, that came probably halfway into my career where, well, early on in my career, I did really good. Like I was making a lot of money. I got promoted to a managerial position. I was traveling all around the US for my clients. And obviously when you get out of school, that's kind of the dream, right? Like make a shit ton of money, travel for work, and have a good job and be higher up. And I had hit all those things so early on. And I actually heard a, a term called astronaut syndrome. Have you, have you heard of this? 
I have not, actually. So it's like when an astronaut goes to the moon, when they come back, they're almost depressed because they're like, oh. what? Like, that's the... Like, yeah, you just literally dream. experienced, like, <laughs> something that is absolutely unreal. Like, Out truly. of this world. <laughs> truly. Yeah. Like, yeah, literally. literally, literally. <laughs> you went out of the world, and now you have to come back, <laughs> and then just what? Like, do dishes and laundry? It's like, what the fuck? I just saw the moon, and now yeah. I have to just come back to Earth. And that's kind of what I... When I heard that term, I was like, I think that's what happened to me in corporate America. I saw success so early on that it was like, okay, what's next? Like, this is almost too good to be true. I was living yeah. in a high rise on the lake in Chicago by myself, paying my own rent, going on crazy trips to like Greece, Spain, like just all Jesus. this stuff that, yeah, like a 24 and 25 year old doesn't really have that luxury usually. I mean, now I'm in a mindset where I think that's possible, but I was just like, wow, I have hit the jackpot. So of course, when I was having these thoughts of switching to the other side of, oh, I want to create content and be on that side, my ego and my mind was like, why would you want to do that? You're you're living the dream. Like you have it all set up for you. Why would you ever want to switch to another side of this? So for a while I was stalling on, okay, so am I going to take that leap or not? And it was finally after just so many phone calls with clients where we were arguing, not arguing, just like having very heated discussions around the content that, you know, an influencer didn't shoot the right video or they didn't like the way they said this on camera or whatever the case was. And I just like started looking at the bigger picture and I was like, we're sitting on the phone here with a legal team and a client arguing about a fucking like pretzel brand. You know what I mean? Like, is this yeah. my life? Like, we're sitting here arguing about a brand that sells pretzels or like a brand that sells chips, like fucking potato chips. And I was like, this is not for me. Like that was yeah. the final moment where I just had a really, um, a really contentious client that we, it was actually one of the best campaigns I worked on. I was one of the campaigns that it was one of the bigger campaigns I've sold. It was one of with the biggest brands in the world. And to me, it was like the best campaign we did. And to just hear these clients be unhappy and then at lunch, you know, tell me to my face that they hated the content and it sucked and this and that. Oh it was God. just like, yeah, it was just one of those like final straws where I was like, I'm done with this. Like I'm not, this just is not fulfilling at all. And so that's when, after that client, that's kind of when I was like, I, I need to really like take that leap more seriously. So I had always wanted to live abroad, especially after studying abroad, after my bachelor's degree, I went to Where'd Spain. Where'd you study abroad? Oh, okay, cool, cool. Valencia. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And I remember having that trip and being like, oh, wow, traveling is always going to be part of my life, which is why in that corporate America job, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm traveling all over. But I never traveled international. It was just within the States. So when that whole, you know, block and everything with with the current job or the last job happened, I was like, okay, this might be your chance to start looking abroad. So I was really, for some reason, drawn to England. And I feel like that's because it was English speaking. So I knew I would settle yeah. really easily. Uh, I really like the people. I love how they're like witty and they, they don't take life too seriously. And they have a lot of banter. Like I knew actually a lot of people in the UK. And then weirdly enough, a lot of people from my college ended up in England. And so oh. I was like, well, I think I would actually be fine. So I was gung ho on England. Like I was to the point where I was looking up what bank I would open there, uh, what's, how did their mailing system work so my parents could send me packages. Like this is how 
down the rabbit hole I was. <laughs> like wow. what zip code I would live in. I was messaging anyone that lived there about taxes, moving, airlines, setting up, like anything you could possibly think of. Like in my mind, I was like, I'm in England. So yeah. once I started interviewing there, w- what was interesting though was I was applying to companies that were exactly like my company, but in the UK. <laughs> so I wasn't even doing the leap that I thought I was going to do. It was like, you're basically just applying to the same type of company abroad. So you were, and, you were kind of just like, I want to switch up where I'm living. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, like you weren't, you weren't it, totally set on leaving the corporate like yes. system. I was like, yeah, I was like, nope, you, you are not ready for that. You need a consistent, steady paycheck. You could actually negotiate more because now you've been doing this for years And yeah, I was just not comfortable yet with like being a freelancer or working on my own or just taking that leap without that steady paycheck. And I also think that influencer marketing in the UK at that time was like a few years behind. So in my mind, I was like, I'm going to become, I'm like an expert coming into this. So I'm going to be paid so much, like it's going to go amazing. But yeah, I did not, I, for some reason had this idea that if you move abroad, you're, you just like change. And that's not true. Like all your problems that you had back home will come up. (laughs) Any issues you have are still there. It's very much just because you change settings doesn't mean you like automatically just change your life. Oh, I 100% experienced that when I went abroad to Ireland for a summer. I was like, all of my mental health is gone. Like all of my problems at home are gone. And it's just, that's not how it works. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that's the exact thought I had. I thought I would just get off the plane and it was like a new Chelsea would arrive. Like I would dress different. I would have different friends. I would talk differently. I would, I would carry myself in a different way. And it's like, that's not what happens. Like you you just change your location and your view. Like, yeah, you will hang out with different people. You'll go to different coffee shops. You'll be in a new city. But like, if you had issues with anything before self-esteem relationships money that stuff doesn't just go away because you got on a plane and traveled thousands of miles away (laughs) so that was something I had a huge realization about when I moved to Australia but what happened with the UK stuff was people kept telling me it is really hard to get a visa in the UK and I was like what are you guys talking about every place I've interviewed is taking my interview they know I'm American I was making it to every second round if not final rounds of interviews with these companies oh, wow. but then when it would come to actually you know make an offer be like yeah I'm ready to come over there there was some hesitation around oh wait like we have to get you over here that's going to be expensive we need to sponsor you it wasn't impossible I will say that like I don't want to deter everyone from doing that But for me, I think after like six times, I was like, okay, just maybe look at another country. Like England is not in the cards right now. And my friend knew I was doing this and she lived in Australia. So she's like, why don't you look at Australia? And for some reason, I was so resistant. I was like, no, don't know anybody. It's the outback. It's too far. Everyone's just a surfer. Not my vibe. (laughs) Like not going. I just had such a closed mind about Australia. That's and so funny because so, I'm like, oh my God, beach surfing, like, yes, get me there. <laughs> I know. That's why I was, I knew it would be fun for vacation, but I was still in that very like corporate mode where yeah, I was like, fair. I can't, I can't be in that lifestyle, you know, like I can't be around all those surfer hippies. Like that's going to ruin my vibe. Like, which is so funny because it's not the case, but <laughs> she kept pushing me to look and I was like, no, I'm not going to Australia. Like if anything, I'll just go to Spain or somewhere else in Europe And then finally, I was like, you know what? Let me take a look, see what this visa is all about. 
And like I told you earlier, working holiday visa, I was like, wait, this is kind of what I've been wanting, like I've been wanting to do. Like I want to work, but I also want to travel for long extended periods of time. And then, so I finally ended up getting the visa in August, 2018. I did not leave until August, 2019. So you have a year to activate it. My plan was to basically go right after I got it. But all these things popped up, like my friend had a wedding, then I signed a big client. So I wanted to wait till that commission check came in. Then I signed another big client and I wanted to wait for that one to come in. And so all these things just kept delaying me. And in a way, I'm, I'm glad I waited so I could save more money. But at the same time, that whole waiting period, anyone that knew that I had the visa also offered their opinion. So I waited a year mm. to save money, but I also collected a year worth of other people's opinions. And yeah. that almost deterred me from going because- So were people not like supportive around you? Were they, were they like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was more of a question around, well, why don't you just try to transfer there with your company? Like if you're doing so well at your oh, company, okay. why wouldn't you just transfer there? Or what? Uh, it's very hard to understand why someone would leave a cushy job that they don't really hate. It's not like I hated the work or the people. I loved the company. I loved the culture. It was just like the actual work day in, day out was not fulfilling. And so, yeah, it's very hard for someone that sees my position, well, like, what do you have? You, or what are you doing? You have everything you want to be like, oh, you're just going to leave that for Australia. There were, there were a lot of questions around, was I going to follow a boy? Was I going to find a husband? Was I going to just like dick around for a year? Like, these are literally things that people were bringing up to me. I had multiple people think that I was quote unquote following a boy. I was like, it's a pretty expensive and big leap to follow a boy that is non-existent in my yeah, life. It's one thing to like move across town for a guy, but like <laughs> to move across the world seems a little bit drastic. And I'm like, wouldn't you guys think you would know about that? <laughs> like, yeah. wouldn't you have I actually, yeah. I have a secret guy in Australia who no one knows about and I'm dropping my whole entire life and I'm moving there for him. So goodbye guys oh my gosh like like <laughs> but then like what are you guys thinking like wouldn't you want it was just crazy and then on top of that of course people would tell their parents and so when I would see parents I have to remember though that like our my parents generation or, and people above me like this was not a thing like you don't just leave your corporate job and go travel with no backup plan so of course when parents hear it they're like what on earth is Chelsea doing and I've had that. I straight up had people with a judgmental tone be like, I'm a little confused. Why are you leaving? Or is there something going on over there that I'm missing? I'm not really like adding up here why you would leave your job. And so that all definitely started away on me. And then I did start to think like, what am I doing, Chelsea? Like, can't you just go on vacation to Australia? Can't you just maybe ask your company to move you over there? Maybe you could find a similar company and just do something so you still have that corporate lifestyle. Like, lots of opinions, lots of external things that I just let weigh me down. And then finally, after talking to my mom, she's like my rock and other people like just listening to podcasts like this, where you hear about people doing it. Then I started to be like, Oh, this could be a reality. And finally, I was like, you have to go. You cannot wait. There will always be another wedding. There's always going to be someone buying a house. Someone's always going to have a baby. And none of those people are putting their plans on hold for you. So why that's would you so put true. your plans on hold for them? And that's when yeah. I had a, a like shift in energy where I was like, I have to go. And so finally in August of 2019, I came to Australia. That's amazing. That's that's awesome that you did it. Was Once you got there, were you kind of like, 
okay, this feels right? Or was there some hesitation with kind of what you were doing? Yeah, I would say when I first got there, it was fun because I was like, wow, the most time I've ever taken off work is maybe 10 days. So to have even a month off was insane. You know what I mean? Like to to yeah. have four full weeks off where you can wake up at whatever time you want. You can do whatever you want with your day. I could either just sit on the beach all day or explore or go to another town. Like it, it was just like mind boggling. I'm like, I can't believe I have all this time off. So after that, actually, I was there for a month, not doing anything, just like chilling, getting to know Sydney, uh, walking around, getting familiar with the whole town. I went to do my yoga certification training in Bali. So that was something that I feel like I intentionally booked. So I had something to look forward to that would kind of give me some structure because I knew if I go there with just absolutely no plan, I'm either going to blow all my money or I'm not going to have anything to do. Yeah. And all my friends here work. You know what I mean? It's not like they're on vacation too. So I did know a few people here, but when I'm here having every day off, they, they can't just join me at the beach on a Tuesday. They're like, no, we have jobs. So I was like, yeah, I need to go do something. So it, it felt right in terms of like, yeah, finally. I never felt guilty for leaving my job because I thought I would feel that way after that whole year of collecting those opinions. I thought I would feel this like major guilt and regret and that did not happen. And I think because I was filling my time with something that I really wanted to do, which was get that yoga certification, any guilt or shame that I had just went away. I was like, no, I'm not going to feel bad about this. I put in my time there. I did what I needed to do. I left on a really good note. I, I actually think I left on such a good note that if I really wanted to, I could go back. And that comfort just gave me the the assurance that I needed, like, yeah, this is right. Now, that being said, there were absolutely times where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I need to go home. I'm not sure. I like, everyone is just in and out. It's such a transient lifestyle. Like you meet someone and their visa expires and they go back home. You make a group of friends and then they all want to move to a different city, but you don't want to move. It was a lot of instability that I, for some reason, did not think about. Like, it's not like everyone got here in August, everyone was going to stay in Sydney with me, and then we were all going to leave in August. Like, in my head, that's how it was going to work. And obviously, that's not how it works. So you end up dating people and they have to leave, or they're moving to another part of Australia and you don't want to move, or you meet a best friend and then all of a sudden their visa expires two months, so they have to just go back to Europe. Like, that happens so many times that- That's so sad. (laughs) Yeah, after like three different times of that happening with like really impact, like uh, people that made such an impact in my life here, that's when I started being like, what the hell am I doing here? Like this wouldn't happen in America. You have your little bubble of friends and your group. You stay friends for a while. Like I'm still friends with everyone from back home in corporate America. So I'm like, yeah, it was so weird to just like stop talking to people or not see them or lose touch when you became so close so fast. And that was a big, big uh issue for me. Like I had a really, really hard time and I still have a hard time with it. I think that you like actually could make it work like with a friend or a a dating example. Like I was talking to this guy and you, you, because you know that everyone is on a limited visa, you kind of do speed things up. Like you have conversations faster. You just like open up more because you're like, you know, we're all traveling this. We all are in the same boat here. Let's just like cut to the chase where in America, if you're dating someone, it's like six months in, you still don't even know their middle name. Whereas here it was like, oh my God, I know this person's life story and I've hung out with them for two weeks. (laughs) 
And so because of that, yeah, you just get really close. And then you start to think, well, if we're all traveling, can't we just travel the next spot together? Like, you know, if my best friend is leaving to another part of Australia, it's not like I have anything holding me down here. Couldn't I just leave with them? But then that time comes and you're like, no, I'm not going to like pack up my life and just move. And that does happen. Like I actually do know a lot of people that ended up going on road trips with the guys they were dating or uh, actually moving to another country or moving in with someone like it does work out. But the when it doesn't work out, it is just really devastating. Do you think that kind of that, like, not inconsistency, but vol like those not volatile, I'm trying to find the right word, but kind of like instability. Yeah, the instability of it. Do you think that kind of motivated you to put more time into your work that you were passionate about because that was something constant like do you think that had an effect on your podcasting or wanting to pursue yoga in more in a more professional way absolutely and I think it definitely also showed me when I do have these different experiences that I put them on the back burner so it made me realize you need to keep these on the forefront for example when I started dating this guy I just became so wrapped up in wow, we're like traveling, we're having fun. You know, this is like the movies, like you see someone meet abroad and then you're, it's like, um, I'm trying to think of that movie, like Sister to the Traveling Pants and she meets that guy from Greece. <laughs> In Greece, like, yeah. Swimming. Yeah, and they're like having the best time and going out to eat. And I'm like, that's what it was. Like we were going on the funnest dates and all this stuff. But w- uh, as an effect of that, I put my podcast on the back burner. I stopped working on anything related to yoga. I stopped even like doing yoga. And when it ended, it was almost like the wake up call I needed to be like, yeah, work on your own stuff because this is exactly why if something like this ends, then at least you would have a constant variable versus starting from square one. So I definitely think that the instability made me realize if you want something stable, it has to be in your control, which is the podcast and the yoga stuff. And what I realized is if I do get that stuff up and running, you can do a podcast from anywhere. I'm doing this from Australia oh, right 100%, now. percent, yeah. Yeah, I can do a podcast from anywhere. And my goal with yoga was to teach online, which is funny that coronavirus happened and now that's what I'm doing. But I'm like, if I can teach yoga online and make some type of platform that people can access in whatever time zone, whatever they want, that's something that you can work online with too. So then it became even more motivating because I'm like, well, Chelsea, now if this happens again, where if a best friend or someone you're dating or someone is like, yeah, I want to move, I could actually consider that because I have an online business. So that is a big motivating factor now is like, if I could get this stuff really up and running where it's supporting me fully, I don't have to worry about up and leaving because I would have a stability, I would have a stable factor in my life. So, so jumping into the podcast and the yoga, did you, when you started doing podcasting and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, you started in 2017, correct? Yes. So when you started, were you, were you like, this is amazing. I want to turn this into something that's going to support me financially as like a, as my job? Or were you kind of just like, this is fun and I'm going to continue to do it until it isn't fun anymore? Yeah, I think it was almost a mix of both. Like in the beginning, it was fun because I it was just for fun because I had so many ideas and For me, it was, I feel like a lot of podcasters go through this issue where they're like, I'm going to run out of content. But then once you start interviewing people, you're like, okay, I'm never going to run out of content. Like it's just, there's always something to talk about. 
So I had that realization luckily early on where I was like, okay, I'm not going to run out of content. I could do this for years. And that was nice. But then there was that point where I was like, okay, if I'm going to keep doing this, this had like, this is a long commitment talking to someone for an hour, prepping, promoting it, emailing back and forth. Like you've seen it. It's a lot of work. It's not just like hop on a call and call it a day. And so it's like a, it's like another full-time job. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So after about a year of doing it, I, I think I ended up getting, yeah, no, it was a year. Yeah. After a year of doing it, that's when I started to be like, okay, maybe this could be something that could support you financially. But the only way I knew about podcasts getting supported financially was basically Patreon or sponsors. So mm-hmm. then I started to focus on like leveling up my podcast. Cause I was like, okay, if, if I really want to sponsor, it needs to like look the part, be the part, just kind of like, again, being a little more professional. So I changed the name of the podcast. It used to be called, Oh, my pod. Now it's called in my non-expert opinion. I hired a graphic designer to do my logo. I hired another company to do my website. I hired a brand consultant to help me help help me figure out what my brand message was. I hired an editor so I could have them do the sound quality. And once I did that, that's when it started to feel more of like an actual business because I was like, wait, I have a team. Like even saying that now sounds weird. Like these people are working for me because I'm paying them. Like I am their client. And that started to feel so weird where I was like, wait, 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 this podcast is actually like a little business now. So that's when the moment when I rebranded and hired all those people is the moment that I was like, okay, this actually could be something monetary that could support me. And it's actually not until the last six months that I've been here that I have figured out there are so many other ways to make money from podcasting that have nothing to do with sponsors. Like there's affiliate marketing, you could create an ebook, you could run a course, you could do speaking engagements, you could have merchandise. There's so many avenues now that I don't think I knew about early on. And now I'm at that point where I'm exploring all those avenues of like an ebook or a webinar or masterclass. And those are things now that I would want to do to support me. That's so exciting. So do you want so once all of this quarantine is over, kind of like what's your plan and vision for your podcast and online yoga and kind of the businesses that you've created? Oh, good question. I'm like in the middle of that right now. So back in back when I was doing yoga training, the funny thing is when you do yoga training, you just think you go work at a studio, right? Like that's the the next obvious option is okay, I get yeah. my yoga certification and I go work at a studio. When I went to go do that in Bondi Beach, that's where I lived, as you can imagine, Bondi is one of the most iconic beaches and everyone wants to be a yoga teacher there. Like the lifestyle in Bondi is very active outdoor beach people. So when I was like, Yeah, I got my certification in Bali, I want to be a yoga teacher here, it was kind of like, Yeah, get in line. Everyone get in line, yeah. <laughs> Like, good luck. We have, like, the top teachers in the world coming to us. You have, like, your basically internship. That's what I learned. Like, there's so many, like, levels and politics to yoga, like, how many hours you got and where you trained and all this stuff that I was like, wait, what? I thought this was going to be so easy. So Have you done yoga for a while? Like, has that been something you've done for a while? In I started in 2013, and I was heavily into it, yeah, until, like, 2015, like, super yogi, like could do the balances, the arm balances, the handstands. Like I was all into it. When I started my job, kind of fell off, paused for like a year and a half, got back into it, but only once or twice a week. When I moved to Florida, right before I moved to Australia, I was going about once or twice a week too. 
And then that's when I was like, you know what, let me explore what it would be like to actually teach and understand all these different names and poses and like why we do it. And it was just kind of something fun to look forward to. You know, when I, when I quit my job, I was like, I have nothing else to do. Why not like explore yoga more? So yeah, it was something I had been doing for a while that I was just like, let me explore it deeper. Um, so yeah, that's when the online yoga thing started to become more of a reality where I was like, well, if you can't teach at a studio, why don't you look into teaching online or teaching privately? Just like you get a personal trainer and you hire them privately. That's an option for yoga teachers. Like go into someone's house and teach them yoga privately. Honestly, I think that's a great idea because as someone who does not like, I'm not good at yoga at all. I'm so unflexible. And I, for the past like five years, maybe have been trying to get into yoga and going to a yoga studio with a full class is so intimidating as a beginner because there are people who are so much more flexible than you. And I know that like the point of yoga is to kind of focus on yourself and what your body can do, but it is kind of difficult not to compare yourself to others when you're in a workout class or in a yoga class. So I think that like one-on-one yoga is something that could definitely be awesome. I know know that I would love that. Like that would be amazing for me. This is exactly why I created the brand that I did, which was Yoga Girl Next Door, because I realized that I was like, why? I was just so I saw all the benefits of yoga and I was like, why are all my friends like not coming to yoga with me? Like I'm, I'm more flexible. I feel more in tune with my body. I feel stronger. I feel mentally fit. Like why is no one coming with me? And finally, when I asked them, they're like, Chelsea, I'm not flexible. I'm intimidated. I feel embarrassed. I, I thought you had to be spiritual. Like I'm not vegan. I'm not really a hippie. And I was like, (laughs) what? And then that's when I realized like, whoa, people have this huge like block around going to studios and learning yoga. And that's when that whole concept of like making yoga accessible for beginners, like people just like you and I that want to become a little more in tune with our bodies, get a good workout, get a good stretch in. Like that's what I created the brand for. So that's so interesting to hear that that's your experience too. Like it is very common. Like I'm not going to go and embarrass myself when I can't touch my toes, even though, you know, no one's actually looking, everyone only cares about themselves. There is that fear. That's how I felt in cycle class. I was so bad at cycling. I was like, this is embarrassing. Like I cannot embarrass myself. I'm the last one on the board. And it wasn't until I got over that fear that I really committed to it. But then the whole, when I was going to cycling in the beginning of doing it, I was like, I cannot do this. This is like too embarrassing. And that's when I realized it's the same people that try yoga. I mean, especially for people who are athletic. Like I was an athlete my whole entire life. And just like, it's one thing to completely slow your body down to do yoga when you're used to like running sprints and lifting weights and doing all that stuff. But it's a whole other thing to like set your competitive nature aside and just like be in that moment. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that is a huge challenge for a lot of people is just like trying not to be competitive in a workout class where you're just truly supposed to focus on your body. Right. And I feel like the media too, just like when you watch movies with yogis in it, it's always people like they purposely dress them up in like hippie, crazy outfits. They have hair down on their knees. They have beads all over. And I'm like, that's not the case. The girls I go to yoga with are like cute, fun girls that are going to go get a drink after this. Like, you know, it's just a fun way to stretch and and have an hour to themselves. And that's when I realized like, whoa, there is a huge, huge block with people 
yeah, with that competitive nature, with things intimidating. So that's when the online yoga thing started to really click for me where I was like, wait, instead of teaching at a studio just in Bondi Beach to a specific group of people that are already like extreme yogis, which by the way, I don't even consider myself an extreme yogi. Like I have to use blocks. I have to use props. I have to, like, I'm not advanced at all. So that became a big issue too, where I was like, wait, how am I going to teach at these Bondi Beach studios to people that are actually wanting to learn handstands and I can't do a handstand. And that's when I started (laughs) to, to realize maybe your niche is yoga for beginners. Like that's a thing. People want to learn yoga. They just don't know how they think exactly what you're saying. They have to be flexible. They have to, they have to go upside down. They have to be able to hold a plank for 90 seconds. And it's like, that's not true at all. So that's when my whole idea for like yoga for beginners, especially millennials, came about. So I, right, this is pretty much in a month or two after yoga training. And same thing, I went all in. I hired a designer, got a website, logo, branding, everything. Was obsessed with it. It's like the cutest logo I've ever seen. It's called Yoga Girl Next Door. <laughs> um, but then I have this huge block around what I just told you where I was like, wait, 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 you're not a super yogi. You cannot just be teaching people online. If you can't do a handstand, like people are going to expect you to do that. What do you think you're doing? You did one training, like you can't just be out here teaching online. I just had all these blocks. And it wasn't until this quarantine where I started offering zoom classes live, um, or not live, I guess, but like in person with me that you could just sign up and do them that I started building the confidence of being like, wow, my basic knowledge and beginner skills are mind blowing to some people. And that is like the biggest lesson I've learned of not only with yoga, but like entrepreneurship in general is your basic knowledge is mind blowing to someone else. So that is now my plan is when all this is over to really either make a course or some type of membership with yoga that is like, here's yoga for beginners. You can either watch this series or join me on this course or membership. I'm again, I'm still trying to figure it out, but just something that it speaks to people like you, like you are competitive. You want to try yoga. You just don't really know where to start or you think it's way too much or intimidating. It's like, I want to break that whole barrier down. So that's what I'm focusing on with the yoga stuff. And then with podcasting, again, I just was always in this pigeonhole of, Oh, I have to have a sponsor. I have to have a sponsor. And that's just not true. So now my plan is to create digital products around podcasting, where it would be like an ebook on how to start a podcast or a webinar on finding your niche or booking big guests with small numbers, like just things that I've learned over the last three years of doing this, making that into a video format or a course or an ebook. That's really my focus now. So with this quarantine, that's where I'm really trying to uh, really just invest my time and energy in. That's awesome. I feel like this quarantine, while it's been like devastating for the reason why it has happened for so many people, it's been an opportunity to like reset and reevaluate what they want to do. And like I've just from everyone I've spoken to, everyone has been like this quarantine. I've gotten these amazing ideas and I'm going to do this when it ends. And it's like it's just really it's awesome to hear that like there are positives coming out of all of this. Yeah, it's just created the space that we all needed. Like that is what exactly 100%. what I needed. I have no distractions. I can't go to a bar. No one can invite me out anywhere. I have nothing to do except go to the grocery store. So it's like, yeah, I could sit all day and watch Netflix shows, which I have done that a few days in a row. But there's also days where I'm like, Chelsea, you came here with a plan, right? Like my whole plan of leaving corporate America was to not 
sit around and watch Netflix all day. My plan was to do my own thing. Here is the universe giving you the space you need. By the way, I got really lucky with the setup I have in Australia. I told you I came to Western Australia to do this specific work. Well, when we got laid off, I actually was being an au pair for accommodation. So I don't pay rent. I have my own room. Oh my gosh. That is incredible. Yeah. So we split the time. So I basically have like four or five days off where I have zero responsibilities. And that is kind of what I needed to be like, okay, here you go. You have the time, you have the space, you have everything in line. Yeah, what you are you going to no do excuses. with it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I have literally <laughs> zero excuse right now. And yeah, I could be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to rest and chill and yeah. just like get back in tune. And I'm like, yeah, I have done that. I've rested a lot. I sleep in all the time. I'm, I'm doing <laughs> all the things that everyone else is doing, but it's like, for me, I'm, I'm trying to be careful here because I feel like people are definitely, I experienced this where I was feeling almost like behind with all the space in quarantine where I was like, oh my gosh, I have to like launch a course. I have to launch a business. Like, what am I doing? Yeah, Just sitting I around. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not trying to say that at this point, it's been for me five weeks of quarantine. So I've gotten over that hump. But for me, my reality was that I had way too many distractions in Sydney. I, like I told you, I was working three jobs, then socializing, going to happy hours, getting drunk, hungover, sitting around. So it's like that was my reality then. And the fact that this is my reality now and this is what I can control and I have something I want to focus on, then this is the time to do it. So that's why for me, I'm like, yeah, I'm not using this time to like do fucking nothing. I want to do exactly what I came here to do. That's awesome. So, I mean, this is like the the name of this podcast is is a bit of a cliche, but do you feel like you're working when you're doing your podcast and your yoga stuff? Like, obviously, no. you're doing work, but like, if do you love it so much that it just feels like you're kind of putting effort into a hobby? Yes, the what you just said, like, it doesn't feel like I'm working. And I know that because I will literally stay up late and wake up early to do this because I have this fire within me that I want to do yeah. it. No one's forcing me. I don't have a boss. There's there's literally no one that is saying, Chelsea, you have to work till 2 a.m. and get that thing done or you know, here's the things you have to do today. It's just myself. But it even became to the point where I was texting my brother because my brother was going to help me work on some yoga videos. He does video editing. And he's okay. like, wait, he would un- he would see the time change of like when I was texting him and he's like, wait, are you sleeping? Like, isn't it two in the morning? And I'm like, yeah, I just watched this one thing. Like now I want to get this done. And I never used to be like that. Like a- at this point now, it's almost where I'm like, okay, you have to sleep or you're going to burn out. Like <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. now I understand why entrepreneurs burn out so quickly because they, they just want to get everything done. And there is this weird thing where you have this like clock against yourself where you're like, well, I have to get it done. If I don't get these five things in the day, someone else is going to launch it tomorrow. And you have this weird timeline and it's just a lot of self-discipline, but I do not feel like I'm working. Like every day, my friend, the girl that's here with me, she'll walk in and be like, oh my God, like you're, you're working again on your podcast or your yoga stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but it, it's fun. Like I like yeah, looking up platforms it. that I want to host it on. Yeah, I like looking at people to maybe hire. I like looking at the branding stuff and social content. Like it's really fun for me. So I do not feel like I'm working. That's I, I feel the same way. This I mean, I have a full time job as a paralegal, but this quarantine has given me the opportunity to focus on this podcast and that I've been like wanting to start for like half a year now. And 
the time that I am spending on the podcast, it just like flies by because I'm just having so much fun with it, even though it's like I'm putting in work, but it's like you said, it's just so much fun. Like I love it. It's fun. It's awesome. It's awesome finding that. Yeah, it's not a uh, an easy thing to make a hobby. Like I said, you're usually talking for an hour. You have to make sure the audio sounds good. Then you have to upload it to different platforms. And you have to write show notes. And you have to link things. Like it's not a uh, like this is a very time consuming hobby. So the fact <laughs> yeah, that you yeah. have, like you have to enjoy it to to really commit to the time to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so from where you are right now in your process, what advice do you have for people who are kind of at the point where they're thinking about leaving their corporate job and kind of taking a leap of faith either to travel and go somewhere new or put time into a personal project or an entrepreneurial project? What advice do you have for them? Yeah, I would say, okay, if you're just quitting like I'll, I'll give the advice to both someone about to either wanting to leave corporate America and ready to take that leap. And then for the entrepreneurs starting out. So for the corporate America people that are like, I'm so done, just make a goal and make a plan and stick to that plan and put your blinders on. Because the moment you allow other people to give their opinions and advice is the second, it almost starts like poisoning your mind. I think of it as like a glass of water and everyone's opinion is like a drop of ink. It's like by the time you have a hundred drops of ink, now the glass of water is just black. You know what I mean? And then yeah. you're like, okay, I don't have any clarity anymore. Why am I doing this? Like you need to keep your glass of water, a glass of water. Do not let any That's of That's such good imagery. <laughs> yeah. I just thought of that. I was like, wait, it's really helping. <laughs> but for real, like keep it in your glass of water, cover it, put a top on it. Don't let anybody touch it. It's like protect your energy. That is the biggest lesson I've learned about entrepreneurship, leaving corporate America, traveling abroad is like, you need to protect your energy just because you worked with someone or had a boss or, you know, have a relationship with someone for five years. You need to protect your energy and what your goals are because like, this is the only life you have. And I know that sounds so cliche too, but it's true. Like, this is another imagery thing I use that sounds psychotic when I say it, but it helps me a lot is I always look at myself as if I was looking at my life in a snow globe. Like if I just looked at a snow globe and I'm like, oh, there's Chelsea. There she is. She's like at her little desk in corporate America. It's like if I shake that up and she's just still at her desk in corporate America every time, it's like, wait, I thought this snow globe was supposed to do something. Like, aren't you supposed (laughs) to shake it up and like see something different? And that's when I, I started using that imagery of like, if I were to look at myself from a snow globe, what would I want to see? Like, am I having fun? Am I doing something that I want to do? Is this exciting for me? Like, that's the image I want to see. And that's what really, that's what really drove me to leave. Eventually it was like, yeah, I don't want to look at my life back and be like, so wait, you had the chance to leave and then you just didn't. So I would just say to anyone with that whole teetering on the edge is like, take that leap of faith, keep your blinders on don't let people's opinions influence you and have a plan though. Like I think when you have a plan, it's easier to follow it versus like, woo, let's just see what happens. Like my plan was Australia, get the yoga certification, stay in Sydney and then see what happens. Like I didn't have a a specific, you know, day to day plan, but I had a general outline. So that helped me coming from corporate America where you have so much structure that helped me a lot to have like something of an outline to look forward to. And then for anyone in my stage now that's either thinking of launching something or is right in the midst of launching it and tweaking it, 
is launch and then adjust. I cannot recommend this enough. Like an example is my podcast. I launched it. I made the logo on Canva. It was so shitty. It was like this logo now that everyone uses that uses Canva. It's like a scribble with like cursive uh, (laughs) font. Like everyone has it. And I just used it to get my podcast up and running. Um, I actually had to change the name because I found out there was another podcast that had the same name and they owned the social handles. And I was just so impulsive when I started my podcast that I like didn't even look into that stuff, but I launched it. So at least I had the foundational work done where I could look back and say, okay, well, at least I have a years of, you know, a year of work for the podcast done where now I have the, the insight I need to even make a new name. Like I changed the name based on what my podcast had already been talking about. So that really helped me and that helped me with the messaging and what I wanted to put out there. But I wouldn't have known that if I had never just launched, you know what I mean? And yeah, there was a no, quote totally. I heard, there's a quote I heard recently and it was, um, if you're not embarrassed by your first product launch, you launch too late. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so true. Like I'm so embarrassed now by that like shitty Canva logo I made. That's and, amazing. Like, I love sound that. Quality. Yeah. Like I'm so embarrassed by it, but I had to do it. And now I'm so happy I did it because imagine if I waited up until now, 2020 to start and I had the perfect graphic designer, perfect logo, perfect everything. I still wouldn't know what I had to fix. Like I knew, I recognized when I would interview people, what I would do wrong, either like speaking too much over them or cutting them off or asking the wrong questions. Like I wouldn't have known that had I never just launched. So that's why my advice to anyone is like launch and then tweak it and you'll always be pivoting. It's never going to be like a finished final product. Yeah. I mean, I've already changed my logo now once uh, and I've been launched for a month. So (laughs) I definitely did not wait. I changed the structure of my yoga program a, a week after launching it. I was like, oh my God, I have to change the time frame. I need to change the times. I need to fix it. <laughs> and this is a, a week after. And even my brother was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm so confused. Didn't you just launch this a week ago? But I'm like, yeah, but I already have all this insight. Like people want longer classes. They want music. They want this, this, and that. And so again, though, I wouldn't have known that had I not done it. In my mind, I thought my first class was going to be like easy breezy because I have been waiting so long to do it that I was like, there's going to be nothing that goes wrong because I've planned it so carefully in my head. And nope, I launched it and things were wrong. If only that was the case. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, you have to launch and then just fix based on people's feedback and what you realize you need to tweak. But you will not know that unless you just do it. Yeah. No, that's... I completely agree. Um, So something that I've been asking all of my guests, and it's even more pertinent I guess you could say in quarantine since we're all on our phones and my screen time is up like 10% every week um (laughs) do you have a favorite Instagram right now that you are currently following that like you love when they post oh my gosh yes this is so funny you asked this because I've been recommending it to like anybody that that asks in the last week but I don't (laughs) even know how I found her but her name is the six-figure chick and she shows you at first, when I saw that name, I was like, okay, what the hell is this content going to be? Like, uh, six-figure chick seems a, like pretty brash and out there. And I followed her, and she shows you exact systems and steps to launch digital products, which is what I was telling you about, like the ebooks, the masterclasses, the webinars. She will literally write captions and being like, here's how much money I made from my ebook launch. Here's the steps I took to launch it here's advice. Like she just gives you like free, valuable information. 
of course it's all leading to like, maybe you should join her membership or maybe you should work with her one-on-one. Of course there's, you know, it's content to lead to a sale, Yeah. but the content out there, I'm like, whoa, just following it. She'll, she'll literally post screenshots of her launch of like the back end of her analytics and how much money she made. And seeing that type of content just opens my mind to possibilities because like, I don't know who this person is. Like she's not a quote unquote, like LA influencer. You know what I mean? It's like a girl from Alabama that launched products that is now teaching people to do the same thing. So because of that, my mind started expanding because I think because I worked in influencer marketing so much, you just think, oh, you have to have like this background and this fame and live in LA or New York and be a fashion blogger. I'm like, that's not true. Like I said, this girl is just like chilling in Alabama, making a shit ton of money. And she shows you how to make that money. And then she also has a lot of good content around money mindset, which is something huge that I'm working on right now. So between the mix of that money mindset content, and then the content she posts on just advice and tips for launching digital products, I like stalk her every day because she just has such amazing information. I'm following her now. <laughs> yeah. Just like I, I need start that. reading through it and be like, whoa, yeah, it's very, very interesting. And like, it just makes you think about a lot of stuff that I have so many blocks around money that I was like, it wasn't until I moved here when I started hanging out with other entrepreneurs and you hear people make, you know, $10,000, $20,000 in a week or a month. You're like, what the fuck? I was making like holy at shit. most. Yeah. Like, I, and that's the thing. Like, that was my reaction. Like, holy shit. And then you hang out with them and they're like, huh? Like, that's normal. Like the people, the people they hang out with make like a hundred thousand dollars in a month. And you're like, what? So starting to hang out with people like that and following accounts like that, that's what's starting to level up my mindset where I'm like, okay, yeah, this stuff is possible because people are just out here doing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely gonna, gonna stalk her a little bit. She has 400,000 followers on Instagram, so she's clearly doing something right. (laughs) yes and like Um, just look at even one of her like screenshots she'll literally post like how much she made on a sale of an ebook and you're like what the what am i doing i need to be out here writing ebooks seriously (laughs) um so okay to wrap up do you want to plug yourself on social media your website kind of wherever people can find you yeah absolutely so my podcast website is in my nonexpertopinion.com the instagram for that is nonexpertopinionpod and you can write into that podcast email at hello at in my nonexpertopinion.com. Then with the yoga stuff, it's yogagirlnextdoor.com. And it's the same thing on social at yogagirlnextdoor, same thing on Facebook. And I actually have a Facebook group for my yoga, which is called Beginner uh, Yoga and Meditation by Yoga Girl Next Door. And it's exactly like what I said it's beginner. I'm not out here doing like airy fairy woo woo pretzel levitating handstands. <laughs> like, I'm like, here's how to meditate. Here's some steps we need to do. Here's a pose to open up your hips. Like it's very just like practical information. It definitely weaves in some spirituality elements. Cause that's why I really do love yoga, but it's not intimidating. Like everyone that has come to my classes is literally like, wait, what the fuck? I hated yoga. And now I'm, I'm thinking I just like went to the wrong teacher. And that's, why I created that Facebook group so we could all have a community where people that thought they hated yoga might actually like it. Yeah, I'm gonna join that. Um, yes, because I need come that. In. <laughs> yes, join uh, us. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely need that. I've been, I've been trying to get into meditation for like a year now, and I just can't bring myself to do it. But in due time, I will get there. Yes, it is amazing. And I, um, by the way, I'm, I have my yoga certification, and I only meditate for like 
three to six minutes a day. So don't think that you have to be like a crazy 30 plus meditation sessions a day person. Like I meditate for six minutes. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely got to start out small. Um, well, yes. thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. Uh, this thank has been you. so enjoyable. I really have loved our conversation. Same. I hope everyone finds some value in it. And yeah, just take that leap of faith, guys. It will pay off. Amazing. Well, everyone, this has been Never Work a Day podcast with your host, Kelly Gibney, and today's guest, Chelsea Rife. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.